0: Hey, welcome back my spooky friends. Um, today we are gonna get into some urban legends and find out what is f- fact and what is fiction. After that, we'll be getting into some other spooky things, but I'll wait until we get there to announce that. And then yeah, let's let's go ahead and get started. It's gonna be another exciting episode. I'm your host Chappie, and this is Paranormal Stories and Spooky Shiz. All right, welcome back. So we're going to hop on over to readersdigest.com. This is also talking about urban legends. It's 10 strange urban legends turned out to be true. Some of these are repeating, so I'll just go to one specific one. This was written by Megan Jones. I'm going to go to the one about the dog boy. This Arkansas-based urban legend about a werewolf-like dogman roaming around town of Quitman merely embellishes a true tale. In 1954, a boy named Gerald Bettis was born. Or Betis, whichever. The rumors around town held that he was cruel and sadistic, and that he liked to capture stray animals and do twisted experiments on them. His cruelty only grew as he got older, and he was abusive to his aging parents. In 1981, his father was found dead in the family home, and his death was surrounded in mystery. The newspaper said it was illness, but many townspeople believed it was murder. Beatus then kept his mother basically imprisoned in the house until Adult Protective Services placed her in protective custody. His mother testified against him in court, and he went to prison, where he died in the 1980s. People say his spirit still haunts the house where he grew up, and where his father died. In many versions of the legend, his ghost walks on all fours and is shaggy like a dog, while in others, he appears as a towering man, wearing a brown jacket and bow tie. Creepy. All right. All right, welcome back. To start with, we're gonna go over to Mental Floss and read one of their articles by Jake Rawson. It's 11 terrifying urban legends that turned out to be true. All right, here we go. Some of these are paranormal, some of these are just regular old urban legends. So urban legends, Those unsubstantiated stories of terror that allow us to use our imaginations to fill in increasingly horrifying details with each retelling have been with us forever. While the internet has made dissemination of them easier, humans have been goading one another with spooky anecdotes for centuries. Psychologists believe we respond to these tales because we have a morbid fascination with the disgusting. We also can't help but enjoy gossip. Put those two things together, and it makes for an irresistible mix. Urban legends often come with a dose of skepticism. No, a killer with a hook hand has never terrorized necking couples. But sometimes these stories turn out to be true. Have a look, preferably under the covers and with a flashlight, at these 11 terrifying tales that actually happened. Number one, rats in the toilet bowl. You stagger into the bathroom at 3 a.m. to relieve yourself, groggy with sleep. You lift the lid and position yourself over the toilet. You hear splashing. Turning on the lights, you see a rat looking back at you from the bowl. You're never the same again. Urban legends about animals in the sewers have been a staple of scary stories, particularly one about baby alligators being flushed down toilets and then growing to adult sizes in the waste channels. Most often told about New York, not true. While alligators and crocodiles have been found in New York, they're generally released and found above ground, and it's thought New York is too cold for them to survive for very long. Now go down to Florida, and it may be a different story. But finding a rodent in your toilet inches from your very vulnerable areas of your body is is a particular kind of domestic terror, and one that happens to be possible. Drain, plumbing, for toilets is often typically three inches in diameter or more plenty of space for a rat to climb up the animals are attracted to sewage lines due to the undigested food and feces and can travel through pipes before emerging through an opening and into your bathroom and yes rats can be somewhat testy when they complete their journey one aquatic rodent bit the rump of a female victim in petersburg virginia in 1999 in Seattle, the issue is common enough that public officials have given advice on what to do in case you encounter one. Close the lid and flush. <laughs> what a weird story to start us off with, but here we go. Ooh, I like this one. Number two, the legend of Polybius. Polybius, Polybius. Vintage video gamers have long traded stories about a coin-operated arcade Game circa early 1980s in Portland that have strange effects on its players. The game, titled Polybius, 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 I know I'm saying this wrong, Polybius, Polybius, I don't know, was alleged to have prompted feelings of disorientation, amnesia, game addiction, and even suicide. The machine's cabinet was said to be painted ear- entirely black and it was rumored that the stern-looking men would sometimes visit arcades to collect information from the machine before disappearing. Was it a CIA experiment spun off of MK Ultra, the psychoactive drug study conducted on unsuspecting subjects? While the entire story doesn't hold up to scrutiny, individual pieces are actually based in fact. Brian Dunning hopes host of Skeptoid Podcast, did some investigative work and found that a 12-year-old named Brian Morrow had become sickened during a 28-hour marathon video game contest in Portland in 1981. He apparently drank too much soda and experienced stomach discomfort. Just a few days later, Portland-area arcades were raided by federal agents who seized cabinets that were being used for gambling. Coupled with the existence of real-life arcade game named Polyplay, these memories seem to amalgamate <laughs> into Polyb- the Polybius legend. So that one's kind of true, like there was people that seized cabinets and there's somebody that got sick playing a video game, but not the actual legend where people had nightmares and game addiction, amnesia, stuff like that. So that one is partially true. Number three, Candyman. Ooh, I heard there's a really scary movie coming out. Called that pretty soon. Can't wait to watch that. Released in 1992, Candyman, based on a short story by Clive Barker, remains a potent horror tale of the revenge undertaken by a black artist, Tony Todd, murdered in 1890s for having a relationship with a white woman. While it's not likely you'll be able to invoke him by saying his name several times in a mirror, the pant-soiling idea of having a killer burst through a medicine cabinet is actually based in fact. In 1987, the Chicago Reader published a story about Ruth McCoy, a woman living in Chicago housing project, who made a frantic 911 call insisting she was being attacked in her apartment. Responders eventually found her dead of gunshot wounds. Investigators determined that her assailants had gained access to her unit by breaking through the connecting wall in the adjoining apartment and climbing in through her medicine cabinet. The complex was built that way intentionally so that plumbers investigating leaks could simply remove the cabinet to check the pipes. It became a frequent mode of entry for burglars, and in McCoy's case, her killers. Ooh, very, very scary. All right, number four, Cropsey. For years, kids living in and around Staten Island raised goosebumps by retelling the tale of Cropsy, a boogeyman who lived in the woods and made a nocturnal habit of disemboweling children. Parents no doubt eased their kids' fears by telling them no such monster existed. But he did. In 1987, Andre Rand was put on trial... And convicted for a child abduction. Rand, it turns out, may have been connected to a rash of child disappearances in the 1970s. He, was once, he had once worked at Willowbrook, a dysfunction, a defunct mental institution. While he denies involvement in the other cases, it's clear Rand's activities had a heavy influence in the word-of-mouth stories that followed. So his actions created the boogeyman known as Cropsey. Number five, the leaping lawyer. Sooner or later, Toronto residents hear the tale of a lawyer who had a particular fondness for running full bore into his office windows to demonstrate how strong they were. This practice caught up with him eventually as he crashed into a window and went sailing to his death. This hobby was actually practiced by Gary Hoy, a senior partner in an area law firm with an office on the 24th floor. On July 9, 1993, Hoy made his signature tackle against the window to impress some visiting law students. The pain finally broke and sent him plummeting to his death. In a eulogy, managing partner Peter Lars called Hoy one of the best and brightest at the firm. (laughs) I hope not. (laughs) Number six, body under the bed. Vacationing couples, newlyweds, Disneyland guests, all have been the subject of an urban legend involving hotel occupants who fall blissfully to sleep only to wake up with an awful stench coming from either under the bed or inside the mattress. Closer inspection reveals that a dead body has been stashed away. Presumably, not anyone who has died of natural causes. This traveling tale has been confirmed multiple times over. At least a dozen newspaper stories have detailed hotel rooms that have doubled as body disposal sites. While the smell is usually apparent right away, at least one couple slept on a mattress containing a body in Atlantic City in 1999. Cases in Colorado, Florida, and Virginia have also been reported. In 2010, guests at a budget lodge in Memphis were horrified to discover they had been sleeping above a body of Sonny Milbrook, a missing person. Fabric softener had been stuffed in the ceiling tiles to try and mask the smell. At least three other occupants had also rented the room since Milbrook's disappearance. A court eventually convicted Milbrook's boyfriend, Lakeith Moody, of the crime. Oh, that is disgusting. Can you imagine (laughs) sleeping all night? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Don't forget to check your mattresses. Alright. Number seven, the Maine Hermit. For decades, people who vacationed in Central Maine's North Pond area were puzzled by items that would go missing. Batteries and food from cabins, flashlights from camping tents, rumors spread that a permanent fixture... Of the area would forage for sustenance and supplies. They were right. For 27 years, Christopher Knight lived alone in the woods, keeping tabs on hikers, canoeists, and other temporary residents of the grounds. When he was confronted by a game warden in 2013, Knight admitted he was responsible for an average of about 40 robberies a year. Despite the likely prosthesis pros, protestations of family and friends who dismissed tales of a hermit lurking somewhere in the woods, his identification proved that someone had been watching and waiting for nearly three decades. I don't know why they have to use (laughs) gigantic words like those. Alright, number eight, the fake cop trick. You may have had an overly concerned parent or friend warn you of people impersonating police officers, usually that veneer of authority to attack victims who let their guard down. While there aren't many who are in full patrol uniform or traveling in marked vehicles, there have been documented cases of assailants posing as law enforcement, at least two this past summer alone. In Bloomington, Illinois, a man used flashing lights to get a vehicle to pull over. After walking up to the vehicle, the man tried unsuccessfully to overpower the driver before they managed to get away. In Fayetteville, Georgia, a man donned a uniform and pulled over a teenage boy on a bike, forcing him to empty his pockets. Talking to real police later, the boy told them a second car had pulled up with a man matching the description of someone who had been caught impersonating an officer two weeks prior. Ooh, careful, careful. (laughs) I know at one point, whenever we were growing up, my little sister was so scared that this was going to happen to her because of, I don't know if it was because of Facebook fodder or because of just the urban legend. I know we've had a story on here before of a little kid that remembered a bunny man in her room. This is a legend of the Bunny Man. If you lived in or around Virginia in the 1970s, you were probably exposed to the story of the Bunny Man. In the tale, an escaped mental patient takes to gutting bunnies and hanging them from a bridge underpass. Later, the maniac is said to have graduated to gutting and hanging teens in a similar manner. Locals were cautioned to never be caught near the underpass, which is known to most people, as Bunny Man Bridge on Halloween night. This story likely spawned from a real presence of a roving madman in the area. In October 1970, a couple reported seeing a man dressed in a white suit and wearing bunny ears who began yelling at them that they were on private property. To punctuate this point, he threw a hatchet at their windscreen, apparently shattering it. There was a second sighting of a bunny man two weeks later when the security guard spotted a hatchet-wielding man chipping away at a porch railing. Police tried unsuccessfully to locate the man. While he didn't disembowel anyone, the thought of an adult wielding both a hatchet and a pair of rabbit ears somehow manages to be just as disturbing as the real thing. Charlie No Face Imagine finding out... Finding yourself outside and alone in the dark on a residential street, you hear footsteps approaching. Suddenly, a man with a misshapen face appears. You run terrified beyond words. You spread the story of the man with no face throughout Pennsylvania. Charlie No Face, also called Green Man, was actually a man named Ray Robinson. He was no figment of anyone's imagination. Born in 1910, Robinson was disfigured as a result of an electrical accident at the age of 8. He touched active wires which effectively maimed him. Knowing his appearance could be disconcerting, Robinson took to taking strolls after dark. He often walked a path along Route 351 in Beaver County, Pennsylvania. While his intentions were honorable, encountering Robinson in the dead of night inevitably led to spreading stories about a boogeyman haunting the town. Robinson died in 1985. All that's sad. All right. Last one before we take a quick break. Number 11. The all-too-real corpse decoration. Notorious outlaw Elmer McCurdy took a second life following his death. In 1911, an embalmed corpse corpse of McCurdy became a grim sideshow attraction throughout Texas, with people eager to see the famed criminal on display in funeral parlors and carnivals. Though it was hard to document all of his travels, he he eventually wound up in Long Beach, California, where someone apparently mistook him for a prop. McCurdy was hung in a funhouse in New Pike Amusement Park. His humanity discovered discovered only after a crew member on the six million dollar man which was filming there in 1976 tried to adjust him dislodging his very real arm. The following year his corpse was put to proper rest. All right let's take a short break and get right back into it after this. All right welcome back. We're going to get right to America's one urban legend per state. Let's start it off alphabetically with Alabama. With Hell's Gate Bridge. The generally accepted story of Hell's Gate Bridge starts in the 1950s. A young couple driving over the bridge somehow drove their car off the bridge one night, and they both drowned. There are two legends associated with Hell's Gate Bridge. One, that if you drive your car out to the middle of the bridge and turn off the lights, the couple will magically appear in your car and leave a wet spot on the seat. The other is how the bridge got its name. Its belief is that if you drive over the bridge and look over your shoulder halfway through, the scenery behind you turns into a portal to hell engulfed in flames. Potentially, to curb ghost hunters and bored teenagers, Hell's Gate Bridge is closed to cars, and it is in such disrepair that walking across is strongly discouraged. Alaska, the Kushtaka of the Alaskan Triangle Everyone knows the story of the Bermuda Triangle, but you might not know of the Alaskan Triangle. On average, 5 out of every 1,000 people go missing in Alaska, according to the LA Times. So if there's nothing supernatural going on, it's easy to get lost in the Alaskan wilderness. The Tlingit tribe that lives in Juneau has their own explanation for the high number of missing people. Evil spirits called the Kushtaka. The Kushtaka are shapeshifters, half man, half otter, that lure women and children to water with fake cries in order to steal their human spirit and drown them. Arizona, The Ghosts of Slaughterhouse Canyon. The story of Slaughterhouse Canyon, also called less frightening Luna's Canyon, takes place during the Gold Rush. During the 1800s, there was a family who lived down in the canyon. They were very poor, so the father would venture out into the canyon for food for his family. As you might have guessed, one day the father did not return, so his family slowly starved and descended into madness. The mother, unable to bear listening to her children's cries anymore, put on her wedding dress, murdered her children, and threw them in a nearby river. The next day, she succumbed to starvation herself. The legend states that if you go down to Slaughterhouse Canyon at night, even now, you will hear large anguish, or loud anguish cries of the mother who lost her mind. Arkansas, the Boggy Creek Monster the Boggy Creek Monster of Fook is Arkansas's version of Sasquatch. He's commonly accepted to be about 7 or 8 feet tall and covered in hair. Legend says that he roams the creeks of rural Arkansas. He was first spotted in 1834 when people reported seeing a wild man. People still claim to spot the Boggy Creek Monster to this day and he has been the subject of five feature-length films, including 1972's The Legend of Boggy Creek. California, The Char Man. The Char Man's original story is gruesome. A father and son were both caught in a house fire and horribly burnt in 1948. After the fire, the son became so mentally unstable that he killed his father. When the police found the son, he was so unrecognizably burnt, they didn't realized he was even alive, so he ran away before they were able to arrest him for the murder of his father. Ever since then, the charmand is still spotted wandering the woods surrounding Ojai, occasionally approaching tents of innocent campers and pretending to be a hitchhiker and then attempting to attack them. Colorado, the many legends of Riverdale Road. Riverdale Road is, not, is the site of not one, but eight creepy stories, ranging from a Hellgate to ghosts of slaves hanging from the trees. The stretch of road is decidedly spooky. The creepiest story, though, is of the Phantom Jogger. One day, there was a driver who hit a jogger, freaked out, and left him for dead. Now, it is said if you park at the site of the crash, you'll hear disembodied footsteps getting closer and closer to your car. People have reported handprints on their windows and banging noises as if someone's kicking from the outside. Connecticut, Hannah Cranna. Known as the Wicked Witch of Monroe, Hannah Cranna gained a reputation as a witch in the 19th century when her husband died by mysteriously falling off a cliff. The locals reportedly believed that she had bewitched him. People also believed that she would cast spells on people she didn't like. Hannah lived to the age of 77, but right before she died, she asked to be carried down to the cemetery in her coffin by foot, not wagon. After her death, the people of Monroe tried to wheel her coffin down the hill, but were unable. The coffin kept falling off, so they were forced to carry it. When the townspeople returned to her home, it was found to be engulfed in flames sealing Hannah's reputation of witchcraft now you can visit her grave her real grave in trumbull delaware the ghost of mr chu while not particularly mean spirited ghosts samuel chu's story is still disconcerting chu was the chief justice of delaware supreme court in 19 or er, in 1741 as the story goes, when he was alive, he didn't always get the respect he deserved. He frequently made fun of his name by mimicking sneezes when he walked by. After his death, people were reportedly seeing his ghost under a poplar tree, wandering the courthouse, and generally creeping out the residents of Dover. Chu would also pull on men's coattails and give women a cold, icy feeling. Florida, the gravity-defying spook hill. The phenomenon that happens at Spook Hill is real. Cars that are parked in neutral will appear to roll uphill, which we've heard in other tales as well. Legends say the hill is either the site of a Native American burial ground or an epic battle of a Native American chief against a crocodile. But the truth is, it's actually just an illusion created by the hill's surroundings. While the cars appear to be rolling uphill, they are still just rolling downhill. Georgia. The ghost town of Lake Lanier. At the bottom of Lake Lanier lies almost fully intact towns, ferries, a racetrack, and multiple cemeteries. The government, in its determination to create Lake Lanier, bought up entire towns in order to clear the space for the lake after they received congressional approval in 1946. However, they just decided to let the water cover up the towns rather than demolishing them. Now, Lake Lanier has a decidedly eerie feel about it. There have been an unusual number of freak accidents and deaths on the lake in 2011. There were 17 deaths alone that year. Many of the people who drowned have been recovered. People have reported feeling arms and legs in the water, but have not been able to find them right after, leading people to believe spirits still roam the lake. Hawaii, the night marchers. Night marchers, according to Hawaiian lore, are not evil spirits, but they do demand demand respect. They are the spirits of ancient Hawaiian warriors who march around the island to protect sacred areas. Legends say that if you look directly at a night marcher, you will be marked for death. And if by some chance you find yourself in the middle of a procession, you are supposed to lie down in the middle of the road. Idaho, the water babies of Massacre Rocks. Water babies are Native American legend that are found in a couple different places in America, but most famously in Pocatello at the Masker Rock State Park. The Shoshone tribe was first recorded in 1805 and were ro- roaming the Great Plains as early as the 1500s, so it's not clear when exactly this legend originated. But the story goes that the Shoshone experienced an extreme famine, and mothers were forced to drown their babies in the river rather than watch their children starve. Today, some people claim that if you sit quietly by the river, by massacre massacre rocks, you'll hear the sounds of babies crying. Other stories say that these babies grew gills and fins and survived, and now they seek revenge on their mothers by luring unsuspected victims to their deaths in the river. Illinois. Homie the Clown. Throughout the suburbs of Chicago in the 90s, there was a rumor going around the elementary schools. There was a creepy man dressed as Homie the Clown, yes, from In Living Color, driving around in a white van trying to lure kids in with candy and money. In some variations, he was a kidnapper. In others, he was a rapist. In all variation, Homie left a mark on the young Chicago kids in the 90s. Indiana the Hundred Steps Cemetery. The Hundred Steps Cemetery is located in the town of Bra- Brazil. Located or through the official address is actually disputed. While it's not clear when the stories about the cemetery be- being haunted began, there are gravestones that date back to the 1960s. The legend states that if someone finds themselves in the cemetery at midnight, they must climb the steps and count to a hundred. At this point, a ghost of an undertaker will appear and show a person a vision of their death. On the way back down, the visitor is supposed to count the steps again. If they count the same amount of steps, the vision was false. People who visited the cemetery in the past have tried to outsmart the supernatural forces in 100 steps by avoiding the steps altogether. They reported being knocked down or shoved to the ground by an unseen force. Iowa The Black Angel. The Black Angel stands over eight feet tall in Oakland Cemetery in Iowa City, and she is black due to oxidation. Most likely because of her dark appearance, multiple legends have cropped up about her. One legend says that a pregnant woman should never walk under her or she'll lose the child. Others say if you touch or kiss the statue, you'll be dead within six months. Whether haunted, cursed, or completely harmless, The statue is definitely a somber sight to see. Kansas, the Devil's Chair. The legend of the Devil's Chair goes like this. An old farmer in Alma refused to sell his land to the city in order to build a new cemetery. Someone got a little too tired of waiting for him to sell, so he was pushed into his own well. Eventually, someone said that there was a terrible smell coming from the well, so the city sent someone to investigate. It was ruled... It was ruled that the well was empty, and it was boarded up. Now if you make your way to Alma, you can actually sit on the boarded up well, but legend says that people who have sat on the well have been known to mysteriously disappear. Kentucky, the Goatman of Pope Lick There is no clear consensus on how the Goat Man came to be. Some say he was a circus performer. Others say he was a farmer who tortured his goats for Satan in return, was transformed into a hideous ghost monster. However, everyone does agree on his appearance, dark fur, pale skin, goat legs, and horns. The monster is said to hide under the bridge at Popelik Creek in Louisville, to lure people onto the train tracks, only to see them be hit by oncoming trains. Sadly, this urban legend has had some dangerous consequences. In 2016, an Ohio woman fell to her death from the bridge while looking for the goat man. All right, Louisiana, the Grunch. Grunch Road is an old dirt road that leads deep into the woods and eventually to a dead end. It was a favorite place for teenagers to go and do whatever teenagers do until they learned about the Grunch. The Grunch Are rumored to be a group of deformed, half human, half monsters that resulted from years of isolation in the Louisiana bayous. In the present day, it's said that if you find yourself on Grunch Road, don't get out of your car if you see a goat who looks injured. The stories say that the Grunch use goats to lure people out of their cars so they can eat them and drain their blood. I mean, I would tend to believe that one. And be like, I'm not getting out of my car. No thank you. Main. The mysterious stain on Colonel Jonathan Buck's tomb. The tomb of Colonel Jonathan Buck in Bucksport bears a mysterious leg-shaped stain. The story goes that Buck sentenced a woman to burn for witchcraft. And while she was burning, her leg rolled out onto the fire. Out of the fire. It's also been said that the witch cursed Buck's tomb to always bear the stain for this injustice. It is said that people have tried to get rid of the stain twice, but the stain keeps reappearing. Maryland. Chessie, the Chesapeake Bay Monster. Chessie sightings have been around since the 1930s, but really started to pick up steam in the 80s when photographic evidence became more readily available. Chessie is said to resemble a snake measuring around 30 feet long and has approximate thickness of a telephone pole. There have, haven't have been any recorded attacks from Chessie, but about 30-foot snake does not sound like something most people would want to run into. Massachusetts, the spirits of the Hussick Tunnel. In the 24-year-long construction of the Hussick Tunnel in western Massachusetts, approximately 200 men died. Death was so anos- associated with the tunnel that it actually was nicknamed the bloody pit after a particularly gruesome explosion in either 1870s 1867 or 68, thirteen 13 miners were trapped inside the tunnel the other workers assumed that the miners had died but eventually it was discovered that the miners had lived and built a raft to combat flooding and eventually died due to poisonous gas inhalation it's said that these 13 miners haunted the tunnel for years, moaning and briefly appearing as ghosts. Michigan, the little girl on Knock Knock Road. The legend of Knock Knock Road says that there's a little girl who was murdered on Knock Knock Road in the Detroit area, and now she appears to drivers at their car window knocking, trying to find a pers- the person who killed her. Minnesota, the Kensington Runestone. In 1898, a Swedish-American farmer found a gigantic slab of rock on his farm that had symbols that appeared to be Norse. And since then, no one has figured out where it came from. While official historians have debunked that Vikings made an appearance in North America before Columbus did, the myth has persisted. And even if it wasn't Vikings, who did leave this mysterious rock? And what does it say? Mississippi. Deer Island Haunted Treasure... The ghost of Deer Island originates from an old pirate story. The story says that back in the 1920s, two men were fishing on Deer Island when they heard rustling in the bushes, which they assumed was wild hogs. Eventually, they decided to check it out and encountered a headless skeleton. They ran back to their boat and the skeleton followed them all the way there. According to the pirate story, there was a ship that sailed into Biloxi Bay and buried their treasure on Deer Island. The crew decided to behead one of their own and left his body behind to guard their treasure. Missouri, Momo the Missouri Monster. Momo is Missouri's version of Bigfoot, Sasquatch. He is said to have a terrible body odor, a pumpkin-shaped head, and an appetite for four dogs and an appetite for dogs. In 1968, Momo reportedly tried to abduct a four-year-old boy, though no evidence was ever found. Montana, the story of Sacrifice Cliff. The story of Sacrifice Cliff comes from an old Native American legend. Two members of the Crow tribe arrived in their their village from the trip to find that that almost everyone there had been infected with smallpox and died. So broken, so heartbroken about their loss of their loved ones, the two decided to blindfold their horses and ride off the cliff to join the tribe on the other side. Sacrifice Clift is visible from almost anywhere in Billings, so it's sad and a little bit spooky to think about the story while the cliff is looming over the entire city. Nebraska, the Poison Girl at Centennial Hall When Insider chose the most haunted place in each state, Centennial Hall was a no-brainer. People claim that there are multiple ghosts homing those halls. But the creepiest story of Centennial Hall originates in the 1940s, when it used to be a high school. The story says that a student was playing her clarinet, she suffered a heart attack and died, because her reed was poisoned. Now people claim to feel cold spots, hear disembodied music, and to have witnessed an empty rocking chair start to rock. Nevada, the truth about Area 51. There's perhaps no urban legend, myth, or conspiracy theory more famous than Nevada's Area 51, a mysterious government facility that is rumored to be associated with aliens. The US government officially states that Area 51 is classified due to national security, which only fuels the fire. The secrecy surrounding Area 51 is what makes it inherently creepy. with the government admitting to a program investigating ufos and the theories about what actually is going on inside the on inside continue to be more plausible new hampshire the witch of hampton goody cole eunice goody cole was the only woman in new hampshire history to be tried for witchcraft multiple times her first charge was in 1656 and she was charged again in 1671. And when she died, her body was recovered, and the townspeople were rumored to have staked her through the heart to prevent her from haunting their town. People continue to blame Goody Cole for misfortunes of Hampton citizens for the past 300 years. For example, a boat full of Hampton residents overturned and everyone on board drowned, even though they were in swimming distance of shore. People blamed Goody Cole for the crash and for cursing the passengers by having them forget how to swim. All right, we're going to take a short break and get right back at it after this. All right, New Jersey, the Jersey Devil. The story of the Jersey Devil has been around since the 1700s. The legend states that a woman named Mother Leeds became pregnant with their 13th child and said, Let this one be a devil. Once the child was born, it grew hooves, wings, horns, and a tail. Now the monster has been spotted periodically throughout history in the Pine Barrens region of New Jersey. The state has embraced the legend so much that they named their hockey team after it. New Mexico. La Mala Pura. The Malahora, which which translates to the evil hour, is an entity that you don't want to run into on a dark road. Legend says that at first, it appears as a ball of black energy, constantly moving and changing its size and shape. If you look at it, it will drive you insane and will slowly kill you. At other times, it appears as a scary-looking woman. It's said that if you see her at a crossroads, you or someone in your family will die. New York, we've already gone over, the Cropsey kidnapper. North Carolina, the Beast of Bladenboro. In 1950s, multiple dogs were found dead and drained of blood in North Carolina town of Bladenboro. People believe that there was a vampiric beast in the woods, and they tried to hunt the animal. Today, the town of Bladenbarrow has embraced its history, and residents actually hold a beast fest every year. While some people are convinced the beast was probably a large bobcat, it's never been confirmed exactly what was stalking their town. North Dakota, White Lady Lane The story of White Lady Lane is a tragic one. The legend states that a young woman became pregnant out of wedlock, and her religious parents forced her to marry the father. The baby ended up dying after their wedding. The girl, so upset about her baby and her forced marriage, hanged herself from a bridge in her wedding dress. Locals claim to still see her ghost hanging from the bridge. Ohio, the werewolf of defiance. During the summer of 1972, the people of Defiance claimed they were being terrorized by a werewolf. The sightings always happened at night, generally by train tracks. A couple of women said it would try to get in their houses by rattling the doorknobs. The animal was said to be huge, hairy, and dressed in rags. But after the summer ended, the beast disappeared, never to be heard of from again. But the story still lingers. The Mysterious Shaman's Portal, Oklahoma The mysterious occurrences in Beaver Dunes Park have been attributed to the fact it was built upon ancient Native American burial grounds, which is why it's called the Shaman's Portal. It's also known as the Oklahoma Bermuda Triangle. Mysterious things have happened in the park, starting with the Spanish conquistadors who went missing while searching for gold in the 1500s. Since then, paranormal activity seekers flocked to the dunes, Some people claim that a UFO crashed there, and a group in the 90s who tested the soil said that it was abnormal. Oregon, the bandage man of Cannon Beach. The bandage man is the American version of a mummy. He is rumored to be a ghost of a logger who died in a sawmill accident, and now terrorizes teenagers who hang out at a deserted area of a highway near Cannon Beach. Stories say that he knocks on the car windows and tries to get in, and smells really, really bad. Pennsylvania, the bus to nowhere. In Philadelphia, there's rumored to be a bus that doesn't have an end destination. The story says that the bus only picks up passengers that are at their lowest moments, who need to get away from their problems. Once the passenger is ready to face the world, they can get off the bus. But if the passenger has no idea how long they've been on the bus for... It could have been hours, days, or even years. Rhode Island, The Devil's Footprints There is a rock on Devil's Foot Road that appears to show normal human footprint and a cloven hoof. The story goes that a Native American woman murdered a white man and fled the scene of a crime. While running, she stopped. she was stopped by another man. She cried out for the devil to save her when the man admitted that he himself was the devil and stomped his feet on the ground to prove that he had a cloven hoof, which the rock still shows to this day. South Carolina, the death of Julia Lagar. In the 1800s, the Lagars were a well-to-do South Carolinian family that had homes on the mainland and Edisto Island. The daughter, Julia, got sick and was pronounced dead, and was buried inside the family mausoleum. Years later, another member of the Lagar family died, and when their tomb was opened up, the remains of Julia were found outside of her coffin. The story says that Julia had been in a coma, and then woken up and tried to escape her tomb, but sadly died. After the first reopening of the Lagar mausoleum, the door can't seem to stay shut. The Lagars tried multiple different doors, and every single time the door was found open. People believe that the ghost of Julia didn't want to be locked in the tomb any longer. South Dakota, Walking Sam and the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. Purported over seven feet tall and very slim, Walking Sam is said to appear on the streets of Pine Ridge Indian Reservation at night, and he tries to convince teenagers to take their own lives. Whether or not Walking Sam is real, something tragic is going on at the reservation. From December 2014 to May 2015, there were 103 suicide attempts at Pine Ridge, Tennessee, the boy in the bathroom at Pine Haven School. The Pine Haven School, located in Jamestown, is old and abandoned, and it's said to be haunted. The tragic story supposedly took place there, where a boy was cornered by a group of bullies in the bathroom and shoved into a mirror, which shattered and killed him. To avoid getting caught committing murder, the bullies decided to bury the body underneath the floorboards. Today, people say that if you go inside the school, you can see the reflection of the boy if you look in the mirror. Texas, the Candy Lady. In the early 1900s, children in an unnamed rural town in Texas started to go missing, and residents blamed it on the candy lady. The story says she would go around leaving candy on children's windows and eventually lure the kids out with notes attached promising more candy. The story picked up steam when a farmer allegedly found rotten teeth on his farm and later the body of a boy with his pockets stuffed with candy. While little is known of the origin of the story, some have speculated that the candy lady was real and that her name was Clara Crane. Utah. The Curse of the Escalante Petrified Forest. While it's illegal to take anything from the Escalante Petrified Forest State Park, there is a legend that says if anyone who takes pieces of petrified wood from the park will be cursed with bad luck, sickness, and accidents. Park manager Kendall Farnsworth stated in 2014 that he gets about a dozen packages every year containing a piece of wood from the park and an apologetic letter detailing the sender's misfortunes. Vermont, the frozen people. First appearing in a diary that was published in the late 1800s, The Legend of the Hibernating Old People recounts the tale of a poor family outside of Montpelier who couldn't afford to feed or clothe the oldest members of their family, so they froze the people and buried them. According to the tale, when spring rolled around, the elders thawed and were just fine. What? You know, look into that. Virginia, uh, theirs is the bunny man. We've already covered him. Washington, Bigfoot. Bigfoot is an internationally recognizable name and has been spotted all over the country. But Bigfoot has been spotted the most in Washington state. Bigfoot is essentially a gigantic ape-like creature who is either a ferocious beast who attacks loggers and hikers or a gentle giant who wants to be left alone. Either way, there's something creepy about the undiscovered species of animal wandering around the Pacific Northwest evading capture. West Virginia, the Mothman. In 1966, stories say that West Virginia was visited by an insectoid flying creature with bright red eyes who resembled both a moth and a man. He was spotted flying around town of Point Pleasant while along the shining lights and the Men in Black. Mothman's origins have been claimed as supernatural, alien, or government experiment gone wrong, but the Point Pleasant has But Point Pleasant has embraced the monster, erecting a statue, creating a museum, and even dedicating a festival to him. Wisconsin, Boy Scout Lane. The story of what happened at Boy Scout Lane varies, but they all end with the same conclusion. A group of Boy Scouts dead on the road. In some stories, there's a bus crash with no survivors, or they were murdered by their bus driver or they just mysteriously vanish into the woods one by one. Visitors have reported seeing a swinging body in the trees, feeling as though they're being watched and finding child-sized handprints. Wyoming, the Devil's Tower. There's no scientific consensus on why the Devil's Rock looks the way it does. But one Native American creation story attributes the landmark's shape to a tragedy. According to the story, a large group of Cheyenne girls were attacked by killing were attacked and killed by a bear. Two escaped and found help from two boys who convinced the girls to act as bait. They climbed on the top of the tower and the bear tried to follow. The boys shot arrows at the bear and it finally gave up, leaving scratches all the way down the rocks as it slid down. So that's all 50 states, Um, the urban legends from each one. And we'll take a short break and get right back into some more spooky stories after this. All right, welcome back. We are going to read from Reddit a couple of stories about none other than bloody mary um before we get started on that though we're gonna go over to psychology today and read about monsters in the mirror all right so psychology today macklin stanley J D E D M, says in this article monsters in the mirror no really literal monsters a scientific study confirms some of our frightening superstitions with mirrors. For most, particularly those with a tendency towards self-deprecation, staring into a mirror is not an experience deemed wholly pleasurable, yet what most people don't realize is that gazing into a mirror under the right conditions can be downright terrifying. Various Halloween-related folklore and games such as Bloody Mary have given us insights into the frightening potential of mirrors. But an article published in Perceptions in 2010 has lent some actual empirical scientific credence to some of these ghoulish superstitions. In the study conducted by Dr. Caputo of the University of Urbino, uh, participants were asked to stare into a mirror in dim lighting for 10 minutes. Results demonstrated that 66% of participants experienced huge deformations in their own face. 28% saw an unknown person, and 48% saw fantastical and monstrous beings. These surprising results beg the question, how can staring in a mirror possibly cause our faces to shapeshift into unknown, potentially terrifying def- deformations? The answer lies in our brains, piquant for selective processing. In simple terms, our brain can only handle so much information at a time. Right now, as you're reading this article, you probably aren't noticing the feeling of your clothes against your skin, the pattern of your breath, or any of the delicate sounds around you. Your brain simply turns a blind eye to these various stimuli to better focus on what it's deemed most important right now, which are these words. Our sense of sight works no differently. When faced with an abundance of visual stimulation, only some of which are considered relevant our brains will tune out the most relevant and non tune out the most non-relevant parts this phenomenon is termed the troxler effect discovered long ago in 1804 by physician and philosopher named ignaz troxler it is the effect that underlies many of the optical illusions you can find on the internet stare at a red dot in the middle of a circle for long enough, and suddenly, outside the circle fades away and disappears. This is because your brain has deemed the outer edges irrelevant and has lessened its processing burden by simply fading it out of your perceptual domain. Here's a quick and popular example: by trying to focus exclusively on the red dot for about 20 seconds, and it shows a blue circle with a red dot in the middle. Um, and when you're focusing on that red dot, it basically makes the blue line disappear. Very similar to the shallow depth of field produced in a camera focused tightly on a singular object, our brains tend to fade out features we aren't directly staring at and blend them together with the surrounding stimuli. Should one elect to gaze at a mirror in their own eyes for a significant period of time, it is possible that the other areas of the face might begin to dissipate and blend into the mirror. Your face can suddenly look terrifying when, for example, your forehead starts to fade away and your cheeks morph into one large, brooding mouth. In time, your entire face can become distorted and transformed into this terrifyingly mangled monstrosity. Worse, our brains like to fill in things that they cannot recognize with things that they can recognize, never mind if those things are scary. Your incomprehensibility distorted face incomprehensibly distorted face might morph into a monster you had once seen on television locked deep within synaptic catacombs of memory having tried this experiment myself i can attest to the effect is real while i did not see or experience anything particularly traumatizing I was nevertheless greeted with noticeable deformations in both shape and color along the outer edges of my face and eyes. My eye sockets, already deep-set by nature, appeared to sink further and further into my face, looking like two lunar craters. For those venturing to experiment with this effect, I admonish, admonish that the experience, while intriguing, can also be immensely uncomfortable. All right. And that was written by Macklin Stanley. Um, he's a practicing attorney and graduate of Harvard Law School. So that's pretty cool. Earned a EDM in departmental psychology from Harvard's Graduate School of Education. So, wow. So he knows his stuff. All right. With that in mind, let's jump into some Bloody Mary stories. Because, don't get me wrong, I'm not hopping up right now and running to my bathroom, turning off the light, turning around three times while saying the name Bloody Mary. Um, and I don't recommend anybody do that either. Even though it's a child, t- a child game, um, I still have a firm belief that belief makes things real. I just wanted to read that Psychology Today article to show you that there are scientific explanations if you want them. They are there. Um, Your brain can trick you into thinking you're seeing something scary. So with that being said, I still wouldn't put belief in this and then go do it, if that makes sense. Like, I believe something will happen, so something happens, that type of thing. Um, My mom told me a long time ago when I asked, how come some kids – claim that they see all these scary things and some kids say it's fake, it's not real. And she said it all has to do with belief. And I still believe that. Alright, so with that being said, let's jump into some stories. Hopping right into our Bloody Mary stories. This one comes from Reddit and it says posted by Bife is Disciple, January 2020. It's called Bloody Mary is Real and She is Extremely Dangerous. I was 14 when my best friend went away. David told me at had a sleepover one night, so he fidgeted. My mom got a new job. It's It's in California. He didn't look up. That's 1,913 miles from here. I already Googled it. I was silent for a long time after that. Hey, I hear California's awesome, I said with a smile. No snow. He smiled back. It was really important to make sure you didn't see me cry. We should make my last day legendary, David told me with a conspiratorial grin. He he hadn't told anyone else about his departure yet. He was leaving in the middle of February, so people were going to notice that he was gone. What if everyone thought the Bloody Mary took me away? The plan was brilliant. After school, he and I would announce we would summon the ghost in the mirror, and he'd slip out the window. It was a short reach down to the second floor balcony, and he would climb onto it, sneak down the stairs, and walk home. I would come out and announce that Bloody Mary had taken him to, into the other world, and no one would ever see him again. we all have to leave sometime. Once we accept that, we can control the method. There were at least two dozen people who gathered around the bathroom on that Friday after class. No one had attempted to summon the ghost since Jimmy Fisher tried in the fifth grade, then went home early because he peed his pants. Jimmy sat, still sat alone at lunch. David and I were barely out, able to contain our smirks as we went into the bathroom alone. "'You know, we should at least try it,' I explained." That way we won't be lying when we say we attempted to bring forth the ghost. I said the last four words with mock drama. He blanched just a little. Um, okay, I suppose so. I stood boldly in front of the mirror. He tentatively stood next to me. Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. I killed your son. His voice echoed mine, albeit haltingly. He, We stared into our reflections. We blinked, and so did they. Nothing happened. We both let out a sigh of relief. Well, I'd better get out of here, David offered. It's time. With a hitch of sadness rose in my throat, yeah, was all I could say. He put one leg up on the sink and one on the open window before offering me a last goodbye. See ya, he said with a smile. He looked down and shifted his weight in order to position himself for the window escape. He was halfway out when I decided I couldn't resist. Boo! I shouted at him and as I jumped forward. His eyes shot up immediately and betrayed a moment of terror. Honestly, I had not meant to make him slip. David fell through the window and out of sight before I could react. Oh great, I thought. Now we have to deal with the twisted ankle. That will ruin the whole prank. I walked over to the window and peeked my head through. David's head was impaled sideways on a metal pole that had once been part of the chain-link fence. He must have fallen 15 feet. It ran temple to temple. The top of the pole was coated in blood, and the tip of it had brain goop resting on it. His legs were twitching like he had been running in place, but the pole held him firm. It wiggled as his legs danced. His eyes darted around wildly as his jaw flapped open and shut. But he was already dead. I think Bloody Mary really did get us in the end. At least, that's what I told everyone. I said David got spooked at what he saw after the incantation and jumped out the window. And I see David's killer every time I look in the mirror. Okay. I don't know if that's a true story or not, because if that had happened to me, I don't know if I'd be able to concisely uh, talk about it like this, but nonetheless, that is pretty traumatic if that's true. (sighs) Let's jump on over to another story. All right, this one's called Bloody Mary, and it was written by Just Browsing FR. You guys remember how Bloody Mary went, right? We always used to play it as kids and maybe even as adults, but something weird happened when I played it a few years back. A few years back, I was living with my parents, me being 19 years old that I am, I decided one night to go ahead and try the Bloody Mary challenge. Word of advice, I've always felt before that Bloody Mary, something was watching me. Constantly hearing scratching, hearing tapping, all that minus the actual ghost activity. So I had the bright idea to play Bloody Mary while I was home alone. So I did the ritual by turning off the lights, spinning around three times, and every time I spun, I said Bloody Mary. On my third spin, I stopped. I looked around my bathroom, and I didn't see her, but instead, I saw a shadow. The shadow was big and dark, and very, very scary. I screamed and turned on the lights. I did a bit of research on what that shadow could be, and still to this day, it haunts my memory. Somehow, I didn't get Bloody Mary, but instead, a shadow demon or shadow person. This still scares me to this day. All right. Somebody responded to that and said, I forget what age I was. We were at camp and about to go on a trip into a forest preserve. So we used the outside bathroom that was rather dusty and dirty and with a really old mirror in it. We did the Bloody Mary thing right before we left. The whole time on the bus headed to the forest preserve, three of us kept seeing a dark shadowy figure on the side of the road. We thought it was just us being scared until another kid spoke up and said he had Has anybody seen that? It kept following us. My friend asked him to explain, and he explained exactly what we were seeing. When we got to the forest preserve, the four went with a couple of other kids to explore. We kept hearing creaking and snapping around us as we walked. Granted, that could have been normal sounds. We found some old picnic tables and sat down not far from the bus. The table shook as we sat on it. While we were all still sitting, it shook again as if someone had just sat down. We started to head back, and the noises picked up again. And when we got back, we were very scared. The next few weeks, we never went back to that bathroom. Or used the modern one. And used the modern one. It's like, my goodness. <laughs> Gotta go to the bathroom sometime. Alright. Somebody responded to that. said, when I was around 15, me and my cousin did the Bloody Mary thing for kicks. We didn't believe in her. As most said, the legend changes. We had to touch the mirror in a dark room and say her name 3 times. She we did it expecting not expecting anything, but we were looking in the mirror and a green entity appeared, not Bloody Mary, but something else. Now the now the bathroom had a mirrored medicine cabinet right next to it, the mirror. The green entity lit up the mirror so that they both look like fun house mirrors. We tried to turn on the light to make it go away, but the switch and door handle disappeared for five to 10 minutes. It freaked us out so much that my cousin won't even let her kids or nephews or nieces mention Bloody Mary in front of her. I know it wasn't Bloody Mary, but a dark, sinister entity. To this day, will not go in a dark bathroom. It now causes panic attacks. I believe that the legend isn't about summoning Mary, but dark forces. But we'll experience the entity and others nothing. It wasn't the first time we tried that, but it was the last. Alright. Somebody responded to that, and I'll read it because it's quite lengthy. After my parents split when I was a teenager, my mom, sister, and I moved to a new house in a new city so my mom could get, be close to her family. The house has many stories, but I'll stick to the hat man. I was maybe 15 the first time I saw him. I'd, be, I'd been a night owl entirely, my entire life, preferring to stay up until dawn, go to sleep until the mid-afternoon, then stay up late again. To me, that's a natural as breathing. I was and still am a nerd and a geek and at the time I loved to read more than anything in the world. I was up late as usual and needed the bathroom. I walked into the hallway outside my bedroom and saw a man standing in the hall. He was about 6 feet tall and blacker than the room around him. I could see the street light from the kitchen and living room behind him. He had what looked like a bowler style hat on his head and disappeared below the knees. In most people, that would have caused them to scream, but I've seen enough ghosts in my life that I didn't. I simply gasped in surprise since I wasn't expecting him, then backed into my bedroom and closed the door. I knew he wasn't a real person. I don't know how to tell you how I knew, only that I did. I saw him several times after that, in always a different location in the hallway of the house. I had seen so many ghosts, I stopped talking about it. People tell you that you're crazy or you're lying when you talk about it. So I didn't say anything more to anyone. Then when I was 18, I had my first boyfriend and my first Christmas with him. It was a very busy day with his family. I was excited when I got home at 1.30 a.m. My mom was up on the computer writing her book at the time. So I spent some time talking to her about my day. She finally said she was tired and going to bed and walked into the hallway and promptly screamed and flicked on the light. She was stuttering about how a man in a hat was standing in the hallway. I said, so you finally saw him, eh? She asked in shock, what do you mean? I told her I'd been seeing him for years. She asked me why I didn't tell her, and I told her it's because she's always telling me I'm lying when I say I see ghosts. She never told me I was lying again. I thought I was the only person who saw that, and maybe it was specific to that house as i got older i started researching and i knew and found out a lot of people have seen the hat man he's always about six feet tall wearing a hat some say it's a top hat fedora a bowler like i saw or even a cowboy hat but the hat man is seen the world over the odd thing is that the story changed over time the hat man never used to do anything but stand there now stories about the hat man around the world are changing People are seeing him menacing and frightening. Some report he has red glowing eyes now. Some reports that he drains them of energy. I haven't seen the Hatman since I was a teenager, but my husband reported seeing him last year in our living room standing by the couch. He was gone when my husband flipped the light on. So that's the Hatman. You might Google him. I don't know what it means, but sightings are, are increasing. So that didn't have anything to do with Bloody Mary. (laughs) I did this one when I was younger. Uh, I'm reading another comment. Did this one when I was younger. We all heard the urban legend growing up. So one night for shits and giggles in the bathroom, I shut the door, I shut the light off, looked dead on into the mirror and whisper Bloody Mary three times. Within a blink of a second, I see the outline of a woman figure in the mirror, and her mouth opens, as if to say something. And that's when I heard it, faintly. Trying to see... I've done it as a joke, because everybody talked about it. I was completely alone at the time. I... have f- First, I was a mirror gazing. At first, I was mirror gazing a while. This is another comment. Then I said three times, Bloody Mary. I looked in the mirror and nothing happened. After that, I washed my hands. And when I looked up into the mirror, there was this entity. It was completely black with yellow eyes. It had white teeth and it smiled and it started smiling at me in a malevolent way. Behind this entity everything was in flames. I was in a big room surrounded by mirrors and everything stood in flames. Until that day I still I didn't take it seriously, but this changed my mind completely. It had some experience, I had some experience before, but this was the most intense one. Wouldn't recommend to anyone to do this kind of crazy stuff. Here's another one. I did the Bloody Mary thing when I was young once. Nothing happened at the time, but that night I went to sleep on the couch. I woke up and felt really scared. I turned to look into the kitchen, which was directly in front of the bathroom I did it in, and saw this woman with long black hair and a pale face. She stared at me for a few seconds, then turned and walked back into the bathroom. I slowly lowered my head and tried to go back to sleep. I told myself I was dreaming, but I know the difference. Usually I'm able to tell between a lucid dream because they're very vivid. This, This was realer than real. I've never done it since. Seriously, people don't mess with this stuff. Let's see, another one commented, did this once as a kid, got nothing, so I just tucked myself into bed and fell asleep. The whole time I was dreaming, I was falling inside a picture frame. There was a couple, a faceless guy in a tuxedo standing beside me, beside sitting a white bride woman, and holy hell, the lady was whack. She was screaming, angry, bulging eyes, strained neck, it was full of hate. And then I realized—I finally realized I was falling inside her mouth. It didn't help that the whole scene was bursting red. Every time I fell into her mouth, I go back to seeing the reddish picture frame fall again inside her mouth, then rinse and repeat afterwards. It kept happening for hours and hours. I thought it would never end, until it did. I woke up in my pitch black room. Needless to say, I never played that game again. all right so that's pretty cool a lot of these are you know some of the same them doing the ritual and then trying it um i'm gonna read a few more if i can find some good ones says i was nannying for a while for my aunt and uncle who had four kids meanwhile i had one of my own For quite a while, the three oldest, 10, 8, and 7, had an ongoing argument about whether or not Bloody Mary is true or not. Before too long, I got tired of them arguing, so I decided to settle this once and for all. I sat down with the kids, and we googled the Bloody Mary story and the best way about conducting the ritual. We agreed on a simple ritual and needed and soon the three kids and I were huddled in the bathroom with the lights on, all of them trying their hardest not to show how completely terrified they were. We stood together and held hands and said her name, name three times. Then whoever was on the end turned off the light. We waited a little bit, and sure enough, nothing happened. I felt as the kids start to relax, so I calmed them and told them there was nothing to be afraid of, When then asked to have the lights turned back on. As the lights turned back on, I screamed, and the kids all ran out of the bathroom as fast as possible, screaming as loud as I could. They stopped only once they realized I was laughing hysterically. They came back to me and started laughing and yelling about how they scared they were, how funny it was, and how they wanted to do it again. We had to talk about how it's just a story and why people spread stories like this, and the kids are never scared of Bloody Mary again. Okay. Miss Brave there. <laughs> um, I know a few people that would do that for sure. Let's see. There's some people that did it and then heard a whisper in their ear that said, Hi there. But yeah, um, several stories of them being followed and stuff like that. Like they opened a portal and they wish they hadn't. So yeah, freaky, freaky stuff. Oh, right, you. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the Urban Legend story ending with the Bloody Mary (laughs) Rapid Fire Marathon. Uh, Don't forget to join the Facebook page at Paranormal Stories, Spooky Shizzes in parentheses. Um, From there, you can like the spooky memes that we do. You can post your spooky stories that have happened to you or your family. Um, No story is too little. Um, If you don't want to put your name on it, just go ahead and send it to me, Andrew Chapman, and I'll keep it anonymous for you. All right. With that being said, let's uh, cut this episode off and stay spooky, my friends. Bonus content The Stocksbridge Bypass Ghost. One of the most famous interactions the police have ever had with the supernatural comes from England, in an ex-industrial town of Stocksbridge. It was one of the few incidents ever officially investigated by police and today remains formally considered an unsolved case. In the late 80s, it was decided that to stop heavy amount of traffic passing through the town of Stocksbridge, they would build a bypass around it. As soon as construction began, however, A series of strange stories immediately started following in its wake. A jogger and his son saw a mysterious headless figure run across the track in front of them. A husband and wife driving near the bypass construction saw a figure running across a field, except his feet weren't touching the ground. These and more were reported in the run-up to the most famous incident, where the police came face to face with whatever it was that haunts that area to this day. Late one evening, September 8th, 1987, two security guards hired to patrol the construction site of the bypass were out on their rounds. Both of them were experienced security guards who had been working on the job for a number of years and had been particularly flustered by anything they had dealt with during that time. They had never been particularly flustered. They'd worked together before as well, each knowing the other man relatively well. That night, though, they saw something that would change their perspective of the area. During the end of their patrol, they spotted something strange. A group of children playing underneath one of the electricity pylons near the construction site. It was after midnight on a cold, damp night, and no parent would let their child out. Yet a whole group of them were playing like it was the most normal thing in the world. The children were also nowhere near any of the houses of the town which were over a mile away and they all seemed to be in costumes or clothing from a long time ago. Puzzled, the two guards watched the children play for a little while while deciding the area they were in was too dangerous and they should move them along home. The guards got out of their car, walked down to where the children were, briefly losing sight of them due to the piles of dirt from the construction. When they reached the area where they saw the children playing, however, there was no one there. Not only that, but there was also no evidence of children had been there at all. No footprints, no trampled grass, no sounds of them further away. Despite losing sight for them for a moment, the area around the pylon was a flat field with no cover. Even if the children had scattered and ran away, the guards would have been able to easily spot them. Spooked, they returned to their car, but didn't think too much of it until the next day when they spoke to some of the builders who lived near the site. They informed the guards they had heard children laughing and playing in the dead of night, and they had seen them underneath the pylon too. Around the same time the next night, with the same guards out on patrol, driving from from the town to under the construction bypass where they thought they saw someone at the construction site, Thinking it was perhaps copper thieves trying to take the wiring from the street lamps, they headed down there quickly to confront them. When they got there, they saw what appeared to be a man dressed in monk's clothing standing near one of the walls. Feeling the same type of shivers they had the night before, they drove up to him and turned their high beams on, hoping to confirm what they were seeing. When they did, they, saw, they said the light seemed to go right through him, casting no shadow and then disappeared right in front of him. Panicked and terrified, they drove back to headquarters and phoned their boss, Peter Owens, to come down to the site. He arrived at about four in the morning and described entering the room to find the two large, tough men who he'd known for years, shaking and pale. One of them was reportedly weeping openly. They told Owens of what they saw that night and the night before and asked him to help them. Not knowing what else to do, he put in a call to the local police station, which was answered by Chief Ellis, who laughed and suggested it wasn't really a police matter and perhaps he could use a priest instead. Little did Chief Ellis know his words would come back to bite him the next day when he got a call from a local priest asking him to please come down and remove two large terrified security guards who were there. They had turned up early in the morning practically battering down the door and refused to leave. In addition, they were demanding the priest perform an exorcism of the construction site as they were convinced the place was evil. Faced with this, Chief Ellis decided to look into the problem and see if he couldn't get to the bottom of what was going on. Later that same night, he and Special Constable John Beat drove up to the construction site to investigate. Both of them were highly skeptical, but curious enough to see what was going on. They pulled up... In roughly the same area the guards had reported seeing the figure the previous night and began to chat about what they knew so far. To their eyes it was an amusing case of the guards letting their imaginations run away with them. Stocksbridge was steeped in old folklore about hauntings and sightings of strange things and many of these tales were almost certainly known to the guards at the time. There was a famous tale of an old monk who demanded his faith due to becoming disillusioned with the church and had been buried in unconsecrated ground, cursed to wander ever since. It was a great ghost story to be sure, but the fact that it had escalated to the point two officers were investigating was utterly ridiculous to them. The night was warm and they had rolled the car windows down to let the air circulate as they sat there, watching but not expecting anything to happen. After a while, though, they noticed something odd about the bridge in front of them. It looked like something was moving on top of it. Wanting to make sure they weren't just seeing things, Ellis hopped out of the car and went to investigate. He climbed up a ladder onto the top of the bridge, uncertain as to whether there was actually anything to the guard's stories. He was quickly proven wrong, though, as it turned out it was just a loose piece of tarpaulin flapping in the wind. Weighing it down to stop it flapping more, he returned to the car and he and Beat had a good laugh about it, becoming spooked about by a sheet of plastic. It was then that Ellis began to feel, as he describes, like someone walked over his grave. The air around him went cold and a shiver went up his back. Thinking it might just be the wind, he asked to wind up the windows of the car, but as they did, the cold feeling worsened. Suddenly, he felt like there was someone standing right beside him, just outside the car. Quickly turning, he jumped in shock to find someone's torso so close to him he was almost pressed up against the glass of the window. He described him being so close he could clearly see the white V created by the person's clothes over a white undershirt. As soon as he registered what he saw, the figure disappeared and immediately reappeared in the same position, but beside John Beat. John yelled in shock and tried to get away from it, but the figure had almost immediately vanished again. Terrified, but wanting to believe it was just someone playing a prank, Ellis jumped out of the car, wanting to catch whoever it was they saw, but found no one. There were no footprints in the gravel, no sound of someone running away and with embankments on both sides of them, they'd be able to see if someone was trying to escape. Ellis described even getting down on his belly to check under the car, but still, there was no one. Scared, the two men decided to leave. Ellis got back in the car and tried to start it, but it wouldn't turn over. He tried again and again, getting more and more panicked each time it failed. All the while, that cold feeling kept getting worse. After multiple increasingly panicked attempts, he got the car to start and they decided to leave the area and head down to the central construction area to recover. They pulled up and immediately tried to radio it into the police station, but found their radios weren't working. All they could get was a kind of warbling static. Then there was a loud bang at the back of the car that rocked it as though it had been hit with something. Turning, they didn't see anyone there but it came again, like someone hitting the car with a handle of a pickaxe or a hammer. Utterly freaked out, but also determined to see what was causing this, Ellis gingerly opened the car door to check around it. Then came another bang, so powerful it rocked the car on its suspension. Having lost any semblance of self-control, Ellis slammed the door shut and tried to start the car again, needing several attempts as the car continued to rock rocked before the engine finally coughed to life. He floored the accelerator and drove out of the construction site, fleeing the area and the attacking malignant presence that lurked there. When they got back to the station, pale and shaking, they told fellow officers what happened and wrote official reports on the incident that can be read to this day. In the report, Ellis described the fear. It was not that which one has when you are about to encounter danger, but worse. It was the kind when you have absolutely no control over. It's a feeling of dread. To this day, there continues to be reports of ghostly apparitions at the Stocksbridge Bypass, but no one has ever been able to explain what the two guards or Ellis and Beat saw those nights. Alright, cool bonus content. Alright guys, have a good night. I will talk to y'all later. Stay spooky, my friends.